This podcast tells the journey of my friend who's called D. She hiked across the country to spread awareness about DV. Sometimes things happen in ways we can't fathom. Lives of those we love cut short in senseless acts of willful abandon. What we do with these lessons determines our ability to heal and can bring goodness forward in ways that help make solutions real. Dee lost her sister, which impacted and changed her forever. She took her pain and sorrow and transformed it into passion, her strength and determination apparent by her action. Julie will live on through Dee's desire to make this world better, walking a path of healing and memory that proves what we do matters. When women experience tragedy, our instinct is to nurture, turn our anguish outwards to help change the future. Dee is doing this with each breath every day, from tears to trial to trail each step of the way. Let's celebrate each other, stay aware and informed, Keep it moving forward so someday domestic violence will no longer be a norm. Welcome to the Daughters of Change podcast. I'm your host, Marie Sola. Each week, we'll be bringing you stories from around the globe of the women and girls who are changing the world, each in their own unique way. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's Daughters of Change podcast. And I'm so excited <laughs> because I've got Dee in the studio. Dee is in the house. And we're going to get into exactly who Dee is in a minute. But let's just suffice to say that I have not seen her face since high school. And I think we just had, what, a like fourth reunion or something, right? <laughs> right. But I've been communicating with her. Um, via Facebook Lives. We've been telling her story about her journey. So just to step back uh, for a minute, and then I'm going to let Dee tell you a little bit about herself and, and why she did what she did. But this woman has just walked across the country, hiked. Let me say hiked, because like she wasn't walking down the road. She was like in the terrain with like beasties and wildness, and there were probably snakes and lions and tigers and bears and stuff. <laughs> she hiked the American Discovery Trail, which is from California to Delaware. Correct. And she left in April and just arrived back in Maine a couple of weeks ago. So... This is so cool. <laughs> so we're going to talk to Dee now about why she did this, what she experienced along the way, her journey, what she's learned, and whatever else comes up. So Dee Fournier, welcome, welcome. Can you tell the people listening a little bit about yourself and why you decided to hike across the country? So the reason why I decided to walk across the country was to raise awareness for domestic violence. My sister was murdered by her estranged husband. And while this happened in 2002, it has obviously changed my life forever, my family's life forever. And I just felt that while the years would go by, I still didn't have my sister to call on her birthday, Christmas, holidays, or just to share a funny story because she and I would get to laughing on the phone. She lived in Florida. I lived in Maine. And we would 
often have phone conversations that I would say if the conversation lasted for 45 minutes, half hour of it was just us laughing and not being able to get word in edgewise and we had hang up on a very happy note. <laughs> so so that always kind of, you know, bothered me that I couldn't pick up the phone and tell Julie a very funny story that only she would appreciate and get from me and and so after so many years I just felt like there's something I could do. What it was I really didn't know. And I was in, you know, I was taking jobs that I really didn't care about. I just felt kind of lost for all these years. And I started picking up day hiking and I picked up my camera, Kevin. And Kevin, we're going to talk about Kevin later. <laughs> okay. You're not getting out of this podcast without talking about why it's called Kevin, but keep going. <laughs> so Kevin and I would go on our many hikes and the camera was my creative outlet and enjoyed it. So a friend of mine had, uh, we were talking on the phone one day and she's, I, I was telling her, I'm just bored. You know, I don't like these jobs. They, they're not offering me anything as far as, you know, it's, I just felt stagnant. And that's when she suggested that I combine my, my passions of hiking and photography. And I'm like, well, then what? And she goes, well, hike across the country. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, why? Yeah, that, that can, that's a natural yeah. thing. <laughs> well, tw you know, 12 hours later, I'm texting her and saying, I'm in. You know, this is, it was really that quick. And then in less than a year, I was actually on the trail in California um, wearing a very heavy backpack and a hiking cart which later got ditched, but <laughs> <laughs> it just was not conducive to the trails I was on. But uh, never having been backpacking before and, you know, spending nights, you know, in my tent and everything, everything was a new challenge. Every single day there was a new challenge coming on. So with Daughters of Change, one of my personal hot buttons, or one of the things that I endeavor to work on is domestic violence and domestic violence awareness. And so Dee had been keeping up with me on Facebook, and I think you'd seen some of the posts for the, the domestic violence awareness campaign I'd been doing in Maine, and she reached out to me on Facebook IM, and she's like, I don't know if you remember me, and I'm like, yeah, of course I do, and we just reconnected, and she told me I I didn't know about Julie, right? Um, and you know, she told me the story, and she told me I'm gonna hike across the country, and I'm like, oh, girl, <laughs> girl, <laughs> I knew there was a reason I loved you, and I knew she was gonna do it, right? So we started doing some Facebook lives, and. Um, kept up with Dee along the journey, but we reconnected and have rekindled this great friendship. And when she first said she was going to do it, I'm like, oh my God, like, is she really going to do this? Right. <laughs> and damn it, she did it. Right. So uh, April on Julie's birthday, Correct. right, yeah. is when you left. Yeah. And and I think one of the the pictures here that people may not have is that on your backpack, was this huge sign. And what did mm -hmm. it say? Trek across America, raising awareness to end domestic violence. I think that's what it said. <laughs> so you had that big sign. Yeah, and yeah. and the, the journey was called D Goes from Trial to Trail. Yes, yes. Which is really, you know, it's beautiful. It, it describes it, right? Exactly. I mean, from the trial, from the trial that we had to go to, the family had to go to, um, to, you know, um, 
him killing her and having to go through, you know, what led up to it. And I mean, that was the trial that led me to the trail. Right. And then the internal trial, right? Exactly. Because you're this, as you said, this impacted your whole family and her children and probably his family. Exactly. You know, and people that knew and loved everybody involved. Right. So um, I think that's what people forget about domestic violence. They um, and understandably, but I think people think it's just something that happens within the home behind closed doors. But the impact that domestic violence has on the community, on the families of the the perpetrators and and the people that I hate to use the word victims, but exactly. you know, the people that have have, you know, been victimized. And then where that ripple effect goes, you know, and it's one of those things that if we don't talk about it, it thrives, right? Exactly. Silence is the ally. Yeah. You know, that's the abuser's ally. Yeah. Is absolutely. making sure, ensuring that the that the victim doesn't say anything to coworkers or to, you know, family members. Uh, it's, you know, the manipulation is right there. And there, I just read recently that, um, the I won't say, I don't know the percentage, mm-hmm. but a lot of these workplace um, shootings yeah. often is be- due because of domestic violence. Yeah. And I also read somewhere that oftentimes the mass shooters have a history of domestic violence, even if they're not targeting somebody. And, and a really... Um, really impactful, there were kind of two really impactful things that were said to me by people that work in the field. And one was um, this woman, Kit Gruel, who has this unbelievable documentary called Private Violence. And if you haven't seen it, find it and watch it. And I talked to her uh, prior to starting the domestic violence awareness campaign, asking some advice. She's not in the state of Maine. Um, Just, you know, do you think this is needed? Who should I contact? And and she said to me, if I had a nickel for every nice guy that murdered his wife or his family, I'd be rich. And and that just came up for me when you were talking about how the abuser thrives in silence. So yeah. many times this happens and people go, oh, he was a nice guy. Right. Like I had no idea. Like people expect, it's like Serial killers, right? People think they're going to look like Charles Manson, but most serial killers, people open the door and invite them in, right? Exactly. And so with abusers, it's they're often not violent to other people in general. Their their abuse is systematic and and power and control within their interpersonal relationships, right? Exactly. So that was really telling to me. And the other was um, for the side of a person that's experiencing domestic violence that. If somebody, you know, people say, why did she stay? Why did he stay? Why did they stay? Um, and they start to blame the victim. Like, yep. oh, I would never do that, right? Well, some of the strongest women and people that I've met are people that have been through this and survived. And they weren't shrinking violence. Right. So if what was said to me was if if one of these people, typically men, I'm not saying it's always men, but if one of these men, is how it was said to me, is has you in their sights, it's going to be up to you to figure out how to get away from them. So it's, you know, I came close. I came really close to a really sk- scary situation dating somebody that we would have thought was the nicest person in the world. And right. th- thankfully, you know, my lips to God's ears, I found out before, you know, I figured it out, something happened to make him blow really early on and scare me. You right. Know? And that's that's part of the, that is the big issue is that, you know, with the silence being his ally, mm-hmm. 
Um, it's just what we don't know what he's whispering in her ear yeah. when the door is closed. Yeah. You know, or what he's doing is he calling, you know, her workplace and saying, you know, I got to let you know that she's a little nutso. Yep. And well, you know, oftentimes she loses her job. And, you know, that's, you know, his form, his way of, you know, keeping her, yeah. you know, close at hand. So, and it's all over the place. It's not just, you know, the physical, you know, where you can see the broken bones, the bruises and whatnot, but it's the financial abuse. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, the emotional abuse. It's, it, there, it's a huge umbrella. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it, it doesn't typically, I mean, I think every case is probably different, but my, my guess is from what I've seen, the majority of situations it doesn't start where somebody goes out on the first date and the guy smacks them and they go, oh, gee, I'm going back for more. I mean, it it's they groom. They groom. Yes. yes. OK, so that's what manipulators do. That's what people that prey on on people do, whether it's pimps, whether it's, you know, abusers, mm -hmm. molesters, they groom the person that they're going after. They are. They prey on people. Exactly. And, you know, you hit it before when, you know, the victims, these victims, mm -hmm. my sister, you would never ever, if you met her, would never think that she could yeah. possibly be a victim of domestic violence. She was a very strong-willed person. Mm -hmm. And you would just, you wouldn't use that word victim next to her name. Yeah. I met this um, lovely woman in Council Grove, Kansas. And loved that little town. And this woman, um, Christy, she lost her daughter, Jana. And Jana was actually a um, an advocate for women with the, for domestic violence. And she was in her first year of law school. And I met this other woman who lost her daughter. She, her daughter was pregnant, seven, eight months pregnant, lost her daughter and her unborn grandson. And another very strong-willed young lady. And I guess what I'm trying to say is that domestic violence, there are no boundaries. Yeah. They, domestic violence um, affects the affluent and the poor. Mm -hmm. it, there's just no boundaries yeah. anywhere. They, uh, domestic violence doesn't discriminate. Yeah, it doesn't. It really doesn't. And so you met, so in terms of your journey, mm -hmm. you met some really cool people on the way. So... Let's talk about your experience doing this. So, okay, everything was new for you in terms of like, you know, setting up the tent and all that, just that. <laughs> but what about the human person-to-person -person bonding and experiences? Talk about that because that, I mean, just the fact that people must have been just blown away. And I know you had a lot of random acts of kindness. So, Absolutely. So talk about that because that was so cool. Yeah. And I, you know what, it wasn't so much the trail. It was the people on the trail that made my journey the crazy, wonderful, lovely, but necessary journey for me to take. But these, these random acts of kindness from strangers just amazed me and blew me away every single day. And kindness is prevalent in this world. Mm -hmm. It exists. And the whole time is on the trail really nothing bad, nothing, uh, I didn't run into any mean people. I mean, I ran into some guys that absolutely refused to help me in the pouring rain, but that was probably a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, there was that, I, I, 
kind of thinking that is maybe that's a sign rather yeah. than. But I was angry at the time. Yeah, I was pissed. Yeah, <laughs> it you was, guys suck. <laughs> yeah, just in case you're listening, you are not daughters of change. Be gone with you from this podcast. We need you not here. Yeah, they just it was. There was a, I was at a fair and I was camped out in the fair and they'd been all drinking beer and playing cornhole. So I was. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> when you get down with the story, I want to know why you were camping at the fair, but keep going. Because they had a stall available for me. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. But uh, 4-H forever. <laughs> go ahead. So, but I mean, other than them refusing to help me with my, my um, tent got flooded out and I needed to get to higher ground. And I ran up to these three men, three different men, and they absolutely refused to help me. And, uh, I guess they just had corn cornhole on the brain. That's it, yeah. <laughs> and then and another I went to this person's house. I this was driving sideways rain with right. the thunder and the lightning. When it's not like main thunderstorms. I mean, this went on all night long. Yeah. And I was pounding on different doors trying to get somebody to help me. And anyway, then I remembered that um that post office lobbies stay open for twenty four seven. I'm like, okay. So I lugged all my stuff. I had to run back and forth, back and forth, get all my stuff and into the post office lobby. And that's where I put down my sleeping pad. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) In this really tiny, cold (laughs) post office. (laughs) But, you know, that was very resourceful of you to even remember that. Well, it's funny. You know, you have to be resourceful when you're out there, just like a victim of domestic violence needs to be resourceful. There you go. There you go. You need to have your wits about you. You need to be resourceful in those situations. Yeah. That's a really good analogy. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of parallels. Yeah. Yeah. But you read it to, but most of the people were really cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I got off track. No, no, that's okay. No, this is, but that's a great story. It is. I like that story. It is. Um, Yeah. It's, I would say, Overall, absolutely, hands down, kindness wins. And it was whether I was walking, um, if I was in a diner or if, uh, you know, I just happened to be walking on the street, you know, you know, people stopping, giving me their spare, you know, spare change so I can get some water. Or if I walked into a diner, you know, somebody anonymously would, you know, buy my dinner or wow. like the or if the owner of the tavern was there and all on me, you know, just, you know, what you're doing is a good thing. And whenever I could, I'd always give these establishments a shout out, you yeah. know, got to stop in here. These, these folks treated me well. So, yeah, I mean, it's the kindness is out there. And I think people for the most part want to be kind and do great things. And, but we never hear about it, unfortunately. Yeah, no kid, we hear about the bad, we hear about all the, the bullshit. Yeah, exactly. We hear about the nastiness. Yeah. So did that, you know, after having something happen, um, to your family, like what happened with Julie, did this help to restore your faith in people and the world, you know, as a whole, like the energy that's out there? Absolutely. I'm, I'm usually, when I, when I meet people, I will find the good. I try, I tend to lean towards the light anyway. Sometimes it can be a little scary, you know, especially in the, you know, the situation that I was in, you know, on being on the trail. Mm-hmm. Um, I always had to be aware of my surroundings, obviously. And, um, but with all the kindness 
it totally won out. But there was also times when I was like, okay, you know what? I, I'm going to go this way. I'm not trusting where, you know, if there's a, another campsite that was nearby. Yeah. I would keep going. I'd go another couple miles, even if my feet were screaming at me. Just kind of had a sense. Maybe I never will know if I made the right decision or not. But I just had to follow my gut instinct and just say, okay, just keep going. And so I'd go to the next campsite and hopefully I'd get there before the sun went down. But for the most part, absolutely, the kindness, you know, it's prevalent out there. What's another really important um, piece is to listen to your gut if your gut's kicking up, right? And that's another piece that can really, you could talk about that whether you're, you know, and everybody needs to do that. I think with women, we really need to listen to our intuition if a situation feels uncomfortable. Absolutely. Be aware of your surroundings all the time. Um, You know, and this is not, and uh, go with your gut too. If you suspect a friend or a coworker is in trouble. Yeah. And my latest blog on Digos from Trial to Trail, I did indicate that, you know, that 800 number is for the victims and for us who suspect, you know, because you don't want, I mean, it's anonymous. You don't have to say who your name is, who your name is, what your name (laughs) is. Who you are, what your name is, what you look like. (laughs) Your social security. (laughs) Banking details. (laughs) So um, you don't have to do any of that. And, uh, but you'll want to do it as opposed to, Say, no, you know, I don't feel comfortable. I don't want to get anyone in trouble. I could be wrong, but you don't want to be right and then and then regret not making that call later. Absolutely. And that's I'm glad you brought that up because that is something with when I did the domestic violence awareness campaign and did it here in the state of of Maine, uh, but spoke with had a marketing um, meeting with somebody from each of the resource centers that was part of the main coalition to end domestic violence. And that that pretty much covers the majority of the state. There may be a few resource centers that aren't part of that. But we had one person from each center in this marketing meeting. And I said, okay, let's, um, you need to tell me what the messaging should be. And I thought going into this, oh my God, this is going to be a cluster. I've got like 10 people. I've asked them all to give me their, you know, three top messages. And I'm going to come out of here with like 30 messages and I'm going to have to try to narrow it down. Well, not even close. They all came up with the same two things. And one of them was about the the lines, the helplines, and how they could be utilized because people didn't understand, A, a big piece was what you just said. People didn't understand that those helplines, whether it's here in Maine or nationally or any place you know that you live within your state, they are anonymous, but they want they want the bystanders to call. Yeah. And as Dee said, they're anonymous. Nobody knows who you are. You don't have to say who the person's name is. You're not getting anybody in trouble. And one of the lines that one of the advocates said in one of our spots, which was so cool, was, if you call, there's no harm you can do. You know, there's no harm you can do. What they're going to do is tell you how you can best help your friend or your loved one. They're going to explain to you how to try to talk to them because there are certain things you probably that aren't probably beneficial. Right. And you might mean well. Right. Um, but, you know, my guess is saying, you know, if you don't leave, I'm never going to talk to you again. I mean, they're already isolated, right? And and that can be done out of love, right? Like tough love. But there are very certain ways that you can help somebody with people that are 
very well versed, oftentimes probably survivors themselves. Exactly. So exactly. Really huge. And, you know, you're opening up the door and it might take several times for you to talk to the victim before she's going to feel comfortable admitting it. And but I think that also what needs to be known as well is that if you're going to tell the victim that you're going to be there, you make sure that you're there. You know, you got to put in the time. And I mean, it's you just can't say, you know, put it out there. Yeah, I'll help, and then walk and away. Then walk away. And right. I don't. And to be honest with you, I don't think anybody would. You know, if anybody's that concerned, They're I don't probably think anybody could do that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's really, um, it's it's so important to just keep the conversation out there. Like, and and by what you did, you know, walking across the country, you had interviews along the way, yeah. right? People interviewed you, newspapers. Um, you were on, I know you were on my Facebook lives, you were talking mm-hmm. with other people and then you were meeting other people who'd experienced this either themselves or somebody they loved. And, yeah. and I imagine you've formed quite an interesting sort of collective across the country of people that who knows what things you may collaborate on moving forward or how you might help each other out. Right? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I would like to do something in the future in DV, uh, and it'd be kind of, uh, kind of silly not to. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I made a commitment, you know, making this, doing this walk across country. It'd be kind of silly for me to walk away from that. And yeah. I would, you know, d- by all means, like to be able to, in some way, you know, in some fashion, be a part of DV and seeing what I can do to help and, you know, continue to raise awareness. Yeah. And it's been, I found like one of the, it's kind of a off the subject a little bit, but um, I realized that a lot of women confided in me mm-hmm. because I was the stranger in town. Sure. I yeah. had no connection to them, the, the, the abuser or any relatives. It was very easy for them to talk to me. Yeah. And because they didn't have to worry about, you know, me, you know, talking to their neighbor or to a relative and say, you know what she's saying, you know, so and and I think with them being able to talk to me and when you say it out loud, mm-hmm. when you put it out there in the universe, then that can be their first their first step on their trail to freedom. That's it's, that's so true. Just admitting it like, you know, it, but actually saying it out loud and and in a similar fashion, isn't it interesting as I'm talking to you today that it's just coming up that, you know, every job you had was kind of dissatisfying up until you, you know, and you decided to really, I mean, this is huge. Like, I'm just like, I'm saying, screw it to the traditional stuff. I'm just, I'm going to walk for like months. <laughs> I'm going to do this. Right. And, and now you're saying you'd, you would like to work in the field of domestic violence prevention. Maybe, this journey was about so much in such a huge way. And it's, yeah, I mean, look at where this is ultimately leading you to something satisfying, something that is important to you. And, you know, everybody listening, if you know some jobs for D, I'll vouch for the girl, man. She's determined, (laughs) right? We know she's got stick-to-itiveness. Okay. The commitment's there. The commitment's there. We know she follows through on projects. She's a multitasker. She can learn new things. 
<laughs> I She's can, also really good with technology, <laughs> blogs, Facebook lives. I can I can hike and take a photograph That's at the right. same time. And a really good photographer. Thank so you. will we maybe see a book? I'm I'm hoping. I I, I there are two or three w- books that I'm kind of tossing mm-hmm. around in my brain. But yeah, there's um something that yeah. I believe that there will be. And yeah. it's um uh, a matter of me being able to settle down. There's a like a decompressing period after the after a through hike, yeah. so I'm trying to work through that. I don't want to um, go to the book right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think I have the focus, the ability to mm-hmm. do that at the moment. Well, why? I mean, you only just hiked like for how many months? I mean, get get your, get your <laughs> shit together, girl. Really? Well, I was going to start in about three hours. Are we out of here soon? (laughs) You think you could take more than a week off? Get to it. Up to it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Stop being such a slouch. (laughs) I I am. I am a wicked slouch. (laughs) Oh, my God. But your photographs are beautiful, which I just have to bring up. Okay. I know. I tease her about this all the time. Why is your camera named Kevin? And who, who is your camera named after? (laughs) Kevin. For Kevin Costner, and he and I were reunited. Oh, I didn't tell you. No. Kevin and I were reunited last weekend. Oh, so, so explain about, okay, so you've named your camera Kevin after Kevin Costner. Correct. And what happened to Kevin, the camera? <laughs> we don't know what happened to Kevin Costner, although I've been watching him on some Netflix show. He's still really cute. He's hot. Yeah, he is. Sorry. Not as hot as you, Christian. That's my <laughs> husband. But still hot. Um, and... So you here you are with Kevin the camera, Kevin Cosner the camera. Yeah. And what happened? Well, Kevin he was a little heavy. <laughs> Man, get on that keto diet. <laughs> and uh so I had to send Kevin away. <laughs> 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 to the spa. <laughs> to the spa. <laughs> he, he, Kevin just, I couldn't carry Kevin with me with all that gear. Right. So um, Kevin went away. He went to a home for a while. Yeah. Into to the Institute. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I got a Kevin Jr. sent to me. Uh, a very nice woman was uh, very kind and she goes no hiker should be without a camera so i got another camera that's smaller travel size perfect for hiking so kevin too came in into play and i was really happy with that now i just trying to get kevin senior and kevin junior to appreciate each other yeah well you know they'll they'll work through they'll work through the ego yes 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 yes, yes. and learn how to get along in one camera bag if i (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if I know Kevin, Kevin will do just yeah, fine. Yeah, Kevin will be okay. Yes. Kevin, Kevin's kind of the cool guy. He is. So, D, people are listening to this and going, oh, my God, like, she just walked across the country. How do I? I could never do something like that. Let's let's talk about before you did it, was it like, I got this covered. I'm not even worried about it. I mean, what was some of the, because I think people don't always understand that. Like when they're listening to somebody who's just done something huge, they feel like maybe that they could never do something, you know, that they might be thinking of doing. What were some of the feelings you experienced before you left? A lot of apprehension. And it was... I had never backpacked before. I had never ever backpacked before with <laughs> I didn't realize that. 
<laughs> Never. Like, yeah, but you should, I was thinking to myself, I bet she was part of the hiking club in high school. No. You weren't me either. That's why no. I didn't see you there. <laughs> No, I had never backpacked before. I mean, other than day hikes. I, I mean, that. and seriously, my day hikes consisted of a little backpack with maybe a little box of wine in it. So that was that was my very important. Yeah. So that that was the extent. And uh so I was very unprepared. I do not if anybody wants to do this, do not do it my way. I did not train well at all. And as the time was drawing closer. I was starting to panic because I started watching, because you can find anything on YouTube these days. So I started, you know, looking up hiking on YouTube and I started going into like full on panic attacks. I had to stop watching, even though I was learning from them, Mm -hmm. I had to stop watching because they totally freaked me out. And so I would say, you know, if you can do something as big as this, obviously you want to you know, get the right gear, you do want to do some training. I mean, my training, my training consisted of walking around the Rose Bowl, (laughs) 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 which was maybe nine miles, I think. And yeah, that was the extent of it, but nothing with weight on, you know, no backpack or anything. So I was, I, I was horrible. I would be a horrible teacher. So don't do it my way. But sometimes don't you just have to do it? Like sometimes you just have to kind of throw yourself into it. Well, yeah, and I think what really pushed me, because at one point, uh, this one friend, she kept telling me time and time again, if you're only out there for five days, it's okay to quit. And then she'd be like, if you're only out there for a week and a half, it's okay to quit. And this went on and on. And I'm like, screw you. Yeah. You know, I'm doing this. Yeah, easy for you to say. <laughs> yeah. Plus, I can't quit now. I'm in the middle of the country. I don't even know how I'm going to get anywhere. So. How how many, what was the actual length of time, you, you know, how many months were you actually hiking? Seven months. At all? Yeah. How come not, not a much. year? I know. <sighs> First of all, she's not writing her book today in three hours. And that was only seven months ago. I know. No kidding. <laughs> only seven months. Yeah. But, oh. uh, and it, you know, because I did, just because of the feet issues and the knee in- injuries that I had, there some parts I, ju- I simply could not walk. And so I, I mean, I, you know, I hitchhiked when I had to, when I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, this is kind of funny, is that the pedometer on my phone was wrong. I didn't realize until I hit Maryland that the pedometer was always wrong. I, it was shorting me three to five miles each day. <gasps> so when I thought I was going only 10 or 12 miles, I was actually going from anywhere from 13 to 18 miles. Oh, wow. And I didn't realize it. I was like, man, you would think I'd be accustomed to this by now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, and those other I ones. counted my steps. I know. And then the other ones, when I did 18 and 19 miles, you know, I. You're doing 20 or 21. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I I had no idea until I hit Maryland. I'm like, all this freaking time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been beating myself up for only going 15 miles. Exactly. Uh, and I just, and, but that's just the way it is, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, that was kind of comical. I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> so was it worth it? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I there are the naysayers, you know, people that didn't believe I could do it. You know, the people judging me because I had I've been kind of bullied a little bit on some of social on social media, saying that I was a cheater, saying that um, oh yeah, I don't I I don't I never got the rule book on how to how the rule book country. of your of your journey. Thank you by other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You cheater! You took rides and I'm like yeah, because I was hitchhiking and yeah. I had blisters on top of blisters on top of blisters and my my arches were collapsing. Yeah, you know, once in a while yeah. I decided, but you know, I um, a couple of people were bullying me, and I'm like, you know, yeah. so what if I stopped and had a beer? Get up, <laughs> get up from behind the keyboard activism and take a walk around the block, honey. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. So that was that was very off putting to me, and it yeah. really upset me. And I remember talking to a couple people about that. And this, just like you said, it's your journey. How yeah. do you cheat on your own journey? Exactly. I mean, you went across the country. One way you or the other. You did what you yeah. said you were going to do. And yeah. most importantly, you did what you set out to do, which was to spread awareness exactly. about domestic violence. Yeah. So yeah. that was the key piece. Yeah. And um, what were your top, what do you think your top couple of lessons learned for yourself? Um, I think I, we touched on it a little bit before is how how resourceful I could be mm-hmm. under under you know strenuous circumstances. You know, I just um, okay. You know, it's kind of funny how a calm will take over when you're in the throes of chaos, mm-hmm. and I think that helped me. Um, that I that I impressed myself with that one. You know, it's like, okay, all right. I was very clear thinking and I was able to process, okay, this is what I need to do. The post office is open. You know, I do that. So, I mean, there are other circumstances, you know, other things that happen like that, you know, first panic hits you and then a calmness takes Mm -hmm. over. And I learned to trust that, you know, and as long as as I trusted the calm, then I, I could proceed and go ahead. So you learn to trust yourself. Yeah. That's huge. It is kind that of huge. That really is huge. Yeah. You know, because we, if we don't put ourselves outside of our comfort zones, and you really put yourself outside of Big your comfort time. zone, if you don't do that, you don't know what you're capable of. Right. So do you feel, I imagine, not to put words into your mouth, but you must feel capable of so much more than you thought you were capable of eight months ago. Oh, yeah. I would think so. A friend of mine texted me. Uh, towards the end of the journey is saying, you know, you really should be proud of yourself. And I'm like, I don't feel that way. I'm, I'm, I'm humbled that I was able to do what I could do. And I, I put myself on this journey. Nobody put me there. I'm not, you know, it's, there's so many, like I said, parallels with victims of domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And what I was doing I chose this journey. Mm-hmm. A woman doesn't decide to date or marry somebody that's going to beat the crap out of her. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not, you know, there. while there are parallels, I chose this. Mm-hmm. And that's why I call it a humbling journey because I chose to do it and I did it the way I wanted to do it. A, a, you know, a victim of domestic violence, you know, she wants to be married and live happily ever after and have that, and she has to fight to reclaim her life. Yeah. So, no, I, I, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm proud, no. I would say I'm more humbled. Well, I get that, but you should be proud, because it's freaking huge. It is. <laughs> and 
what advice do you have for the daughters of change out there listening? That's a, that's a big question. I would say, I would say, um, I think going back to what we just talked about, listen to your gut, listen to your instinct and trust yourself. That's beautiful. Trust yourself. You hear that, Daughters of Change? Trust yourself. Trust yourself, Daughters of Change. So, Dee. Marie. How do we connect and support you? I can think of one way, and if you don't bring it up, I will. But how can we connect and support you? Connect and support me. Oh. um, Or the Movement for Domestic Violence Awareness, whatever that may be. That's, you know, I would, I, you know, what we were saying before, how I, I, foresee my future doing something with domestic violence. Um, and I want this journey to continue that D goes from trial to trail. I want to see that go forward. I want to see that get bigger. Mm-hmm. And so that I can be, you know, have my hands into the mix and continue to raise awareness for domestic violence. Like I said, it's not a cookie cutter disease. I mm-hmm. mean, this is something that is huge and it comes in from so many different angles. Yeah. And yeah. um and we need to make people more aware of all the different angles in which it comes in so that we can get can finally get rid of it. So we're going to make sure that in the show notes that people know how to get a hold of you. Perfect. Um if there's anybody out there listening that wants to help to grow this beautiful movement and mission that Dee has started with Dee Goes From Trial to Trail. Maybe you're somebody that knows of a job uh, that might be great for Dee in this arena. And you're pretty open to where you would live. Maybe, maybe not, but you know, yeah, you can I, yeah. discuss that. Yeah. Um, and also, um, if there's any publishers out there that want a kick-ass book, because I'm going to make her start writing it tomorrow. <laughs> and <laughs> and and one way I could think of, if anybody knows Kevin Costner, yes. I've been saying this. Now, I'm not trying to like fix D up with Kevin Costner. <laughs> I think he's married and, you know, D may have a, a special someone. But I really think that the fact that she named her cam- camera Kevin because that's commitment. Him. Again, That's commitment. Because she thinks he's cool. <laughs> she, you know, she reunited with him. She has a Kevin Jr. now just for that. If we could connect them. So maybe they could at least meet and have their picture taken with Kevin and Kevin Jr. Exactly. You know, I don't I mean, think that's much to ask. Yeah. And, you know, and maybe Kevin, once they make Dee's book into a movie, you can play the camera. <laughs> 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 or you can have a bigger role. <laughs> He can, can he can he can be the voice of the camera. Yeah, he can also be the person that like carries you along the trail. Uh, we can put that into it, uh, but only in it like like yeah yeah. However, everybody's comfortable. But anyway, so we have some ideas there. Yes. Okay. So well, I, <laughs> before we sign off, D, any final thoughts or words? I just really want to thank everybody for the incredible love, support, and prayers for me on this entire crazy, lovely journey that I've been on um, without, you know, not just financial, but for those that are praying for me, those that just were there for me emotionally, um, those strangers that I met on the trail that I would just burst into tears with that, and they didn't know really why, but they were just kind enough just to stop and ask me if I was okay. And but just, yes, yeah, seriously, it was you know, all the love and the light that came came to me during this whole time. I, you know, because of that, I, I made it. And um, I am just forever, forever be so grateful and to live with, um, you know, 
in gratitude because of that. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Daughters of Change podcast. To learn more about today's guest or any of our previous guests, you can visit daughtersofchange.com forward slash podcast. You can connect with Daughters of Change on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram by searching those platforms for Daughters of Change. If you are a daughter of change yourself and would like to appear on the show, send me an email at marie at daughtersofchange.com. Thanks again for taking the time to listen today. Take care.